Would you please take the word of God with me once again and turn to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. Again, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the word of God. It is a privilege. I'm thankful for uh, the encouragement and the influence of our pastor, Pastor Moreland, and for the opportunity to work alongside him and this church. And uh, this has been uh, these past really 11 months now, ever since I came from New York to England, has been some of the greatest months of my life, having the opportunity to be in this church with you all. And I'm grateful to see how the Lord will continue to lead and all the wonderful things that he will do as he has done in the past. Who would have thought that we'd be in the middle of a field sitting under a tent? But this was the plan of God, and this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes, and we give the Lord praise and honor and glory. The Lord has placed this text upon my heart for several months now, and I believe this is the time that he would have me to share it. Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye, mine eye, seeth thee. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you please mark this phrase towards the end of verse number five, where Job said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now, notice this at the end of verse 5 where Job says, But now mine eye seeth thee. But now my eye seeth thee. And with God's help this morning, I want to speak on this topic, the reason for the test. The reason for the test. The book of Job is a, a book that many people go to in times of sorrow and times of suffering. Because in the first couple of chapters of the book of Job it tells us how the Lord allowed Satan to come and to really take many of the things that Job had, all of his livestock and the his really life savings was all devoured. His children were killed and Job found himself in a state of misery. And throughout the book of Job, you find a dialogue between Job and his friends and Job and the Lord. And Job found that throughout his trial, throughout the test, throughout the difficulty that he faced, he encountered God. No doubt during the time that Job was facing the trials that he was facing, no doubt he did not understand why God allowed all that he did to happen. But you see, at the end of the trial, at the end of the storm, Job was different. Yeah. Something happened to Job. Yeah. 
He said at the end of his trial, at the end of the storm, he said this in verse number five, I've heard of God. I heard his word. I heard things about God. But now because of what I've gone through, mine eye seeth thee. Because of the storm that God allowed in the life of Job, he came out as a different man. He came out closer to God. He came out with a greater knowledge of God. He came out not just hearing things about God, but now being able to see God. And I want to submit to you, dearly beloved, that no matter what the storm may be today, the Lord is in control. Some people look at the trials and the circumstances that they face and they think that the Lord is on the balcony of heaven wringing his hands, wondering what is happening. But can I submit to you that nothing just happens in the life of a Christian? In the book of Job, the first couple chapters you read how it was the Lord who said unto Satan, hast thou considered Job my servant? And because of the Lord's permission, Because of the Lord's permission, Satan was able to do what he did to Job. Because we know nothing just happens in the life of a Christian. The unfailing hand of providence, the hand of grace, the hand of loving kindness of the Lord, the same hand that saved us and the same hand that keeps us is the same hand that allows trials and difficulties, and storms, and testings to come. And here Job finds himself saying, I've been different. I've been changed. You know, many people, when they read the book of Job, they say, well, Job had a happy ending. And yes, indeed, there is a happy ending to the story. But many people think that the happy ending to the book of Job is found in verse 10 and verse 12. Because in verse 10, the Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So some people look at that and they say, oh, that was the happy ending to Job. And people would look at verse number 12, where the Bible says in Job chapter 42. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she asses. He also, pardon me, he had also seven sons and three daughters. So people look at the life of Job and they say, look, that's the happy ending. God gave him what he didn't have and God blessed him in that way. But can I submit to you, that is not the happy ending in this story. But rather, the happy ending is in verse number five. The happy ending is in the change that happened in Job's life. And can I submit to you what God is after in the trial and in the storms and in the testings is the change in our hearts. Well, we will come to the place where we will say, you know, Lord, I've read this verse. I have heard of this verse. I've heard of these truths about you. But now I have experienced your comfort. I have experienced your grace. I have experienced your presence. I have experienced your joy in times of suffering. Now mine eye seeth thee. First thing that Job said and that, that he saw change that happened in Job's life. First of all, we find in verse two. That Job saw that there was absolutely nothing too hard for God to do. 
Would you notice that with me? Job said there is nothing too hard for God to do. Now, God had to bring Job through a trial before Job was able to declare that. In verse number two, he says, I know thou, thou, that thou canst do everything. Everything. Meaning there is nothing too big, nothing too strong for the Lord to do. Can I submit to you in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Our God is an able God. And the word able means for one to have the ability to act according to his own will. So what God taught Job is this very truth that God was able to do whatever it is that he pleases. And there is absolutely nothing too hard for God to do. Sometimes God has to bring us through a trial. Sometimes God has to bring us through the times of testing or through a difficulty for us to truly see that there is nothing too hard for God to do. It doesn't matter what the storm, sometimes the storm seems helpless, hopeless. But even in the midst of those storms, we can have peace and a knowledge that truly there is nothing too hard for God to do. In Psalm 46, the word of God says this. Hold your place here and turn with me to to Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then notice in verse number two, he says this, therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Think of that. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. He said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. And because of that, we will not fear. We will not fear. Even though the earth would be carried away, even though the mountains would shake, even though the waters would roar, there should be nothing that poses a Christian that should make that Christian fear. Because God is with us. Job said, I know that thou canst do everything. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, the Lord asked his people uh, an interesting question. He said, behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? The trials and the storms and the difficulties and the times of testings that you face, are those things too hard for God? And Jeremiah gave the answer in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He said, ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast created the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. 
This was a lesson that Job learned. This is what he saw after God brought him through the difficulty, after God brought him to the storm. He said, Lord, I know now I can see truly that there is nothing too hard for you. You can do all things. I'm sure it affected the way that he prayed because once we come to the realization that truly nothing is too hard for God, we pray differently. We speak differently. We speak more confidently with the Lord and about the Lord because we know, no, truly nothing is too hard for God to do. And not only did Job say, I know that thou canst do everything. Job also said the second thing, that no thought can be withholden from thee. Not only did Job learn and saw that God was able to do everything, he learned and he saw that nothing would be able to stop the plan of God. Nothing would be able to stop the plan of God. He says, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. That literally means no thought of the Lord can be withholden from the Lord. No plan of God can be stopped. Whatever it is that the Lord pleases, he doeth. The Bible says that the Lord sitteth in the heavens and he doth whatsoever he pleases. So God would often bring us into a time of affliction. God often brings us into the testing for a reason. In other words, he has a plan behind it. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3, the Lord said, And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which calleth thee thereby, thy name am the God of Israel. He told his people that in the times of darkness, he will give his people the treasures of darkness. Think of that with me. In times of darkness and in times of peril, there are treasures in which the Lord desires to give us. We love to live on the mountaintops. We love it when everything is going well. But can I submit to you that God does his deepest work, not on the mountaintop, but on the valleys. In the valleys and the time of afflictions, in the valleys of the time of testing, in in the valleys of the times of sorrow, the Lord said, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. In other words, from this darkness, from this difficulty, from this trial, there are some great treasures that the Lord wants to give us. I think sometimes we we pray so often, Lord, get me out of this trouble. Lord, get me out of this trial. When we should be praying, Lord, what is it that you have to teach me now? Where are you in this? What treasures would you like to show me? And can I submit to you that the treasures that God desires to give us in the midst of darkness, in other words, the treasures of darkness that God desires to give us is this, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord. The treasure of darkness is the Lord himself. So isn't it an amazing thing that God allows us to go through a time of trial so that he would reveal himself to us? God allows us to go through times of testing that he would reveal who he is to us, that we would have a clearer vision, a clearer view of our dear Savior. This is what Job learned. He said, I I heard of you, but now now mine eyes see thee. In other words, God gave him the treasures of darkness. God fulfilled the plan that he had for him. 
And I also want to show you that even that Job was not blameless for all of these things. Job cursed the day that he was born. And even in the midst of Job's trial, the Bible says in Job chapter 9, verse 17, he accused God of parting afflictions unto him without cause. In other words, Job really was saying to God that the Lord was allowing all of these difficulties to happen and there was no reason for it. Think of that. Isn't that so often what we do? In the, in the midst of the hot furnace, we can so easily begin to blame God. We can so easily begin to question God. That's what Job did. He questioned God. He said, curse the day that I was born. And he said, the Lord breaketh me with a tempest and with the multitude of my wounds without cause. He said, God is doing this without cause. He was blaming God and he was accusing God. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord responded to Job. In Job chapter 38, it seems almost as if the Lord said, that's enough. And the Lord spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. And in Job chapter 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this? This is God speaking to Job. God said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Some strong words. Then in verse number three of Job 38, the Lord said, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Then listen to what God told Job after Job accused God of being unfair. The Lord said in verse number four, Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as it had issued out of the womb. In verse number 12, hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day springs to know his place? And really, when you read this passage of scripture, you find the Lord asking Job all of these questions. When Job was accusing the all wise, all powerful God, little feeble Job, God responded and said, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I stretched the heavens? Where were you when I created Leviathan and all of these grand creatures? Where were you? The Lord said, do you have power to, to stop these creatures? Do you have power to hold these creatures? He was showing God that he had no right. He had no place to question the almighty God. Showing us that no matter what storm it is, we are not to question God. We are not to question his plan and we are not to question his purposes. Charles Spurgeon said it well. He said, God is too good to be unkind and God is too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, you must trust his heart. When you cannot see and understand why God is allowing all that he's allowing, when you cannot trace his hand, you must trust his heart. And you must trust that he will be with you in the furnace. 
Jesus, the disciples were in the midst, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the midst of the storm. But Jesus was in the back of the boat with them. Jesus never left them. Jesus told his disciples another time to get into the ship. And they encountered a storm and they saw Jesus walking on the water. Jesus never left them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the furnace of fire. But guess who showed up? Jesus right in the midst of them. Aren't you thankful that the Lord Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So even in the midst of the trial, we can know that God is with us. He has promised never to leave us. And even though he led us into the trial, he will bring us out. And he will bring us out as a changed man, as a changed woman, closer to the Savior. That's the whole point of it. Well said the hymn writer where he said, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. I love the second verse. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Blind unbelief is sure to err. And scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter. And he will make it plain. Aren't you thankful that our God, although he may move and work in mysterious ways, mysterious to us at least, that he never changes, that behind the storm lies his smiling face. Jesus this day stands on the other side of the storm of his arms wide open, ready to receive us and ready for us to be changed. And also, can I also submit to you all that the storms that we find, the testing and the sorrows that we often go through, they are only but temporary. They are only temporary. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter said this in verse number 6. And seven, he said, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if needs be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And he said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He said, wherein you greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, can I submit to you that it's only for a season and the temporary, the seasonal trial will bring everlasting fruit. The temporal difficulties will bring a change in our lives that will not be temporary, but rather that will be forever. The Apostle Paul said it well in Romans chapter 8. Verse 18, he said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul said the sufferings that you're facing now, that is nothing to be compared to what the day that we see Jesus. The, the, The trials that we face now, it's nothing to be compared to when we see God and when we step foot into his everlasting kingdom. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus, our Savior, also said, let not your hearts be troubled. 
Some of us are so troubled. Troubled about what's going on in this world. Troubled about what's going on in our homes and our work. Troubled about our financing and tr- finances and troubled about the circumstances that we face. But Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, stop worrying, stop fearing. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. For the child of God, we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. There should be no reason why we are so fearful and troubled. Jesus said, don't worry, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Your hope and your eternity is secured in me, Jesus teaches us. And if you're here today and you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're here today and your life has never been truly changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you, you are missing out on the greatest hope, the greatest blessing. Let me tell you, if you don't have Jesus, you're never going to have peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you don't have Jesus in this troubled world, you will never have rest. If you don't have Jesus, you will never have guidance. If you don't have Jesus, you will never have life. Have you ever noticed that that? Eternal life is not something. Eternal life is someone. Jesus Christ, 1 John tells us, that eternal life. And when we have this eternal life, when we have this living hope, Jesus Christ, the Savior, there is nothing that should make us afraid. That's why the, the, in Psalm 46, it says, though the, the earth be carried away, though the mountain shake, yeah. we're not going to fear. There is a river in the city of God. In other words, everything on this earth may go wrong, but I, this world is not my home. When I was a kid, they used to sing the song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Sometimes we just got to get our eyes off of this world. We got to get our eyes off of, this, off of the troubles that we face, and we got to look heavenward. We have to realize that Jesus is in heaven. He is beckoning us from heaven. And one day when all of these things on this earth are done, we're going up to be with him. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. We have to lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord, not man. Not circumstance changing, not in the government, but our help cometh from the Lord. Therefore, we got to lift up our eyes unto the hills. Therefore, we got to take our eyes off of our circumstance and look to Jesus. And therefore, we got to realize that no matter what storm, what test, what trial the Lord will allow us to go into, he has a reason behind it. He has a reason behind it. Yes, he does. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 tells us, Now we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Everything works together for good. He takes the good and he takes the bad and he is the sovereign God, meaning he is he is great and powerful and over all the earth. And he is able to take the things that are good and he is able to take the things that are bad and work them out for good for his glory. And therefore we can joy and tribulation. Therefore, when the test comes and when the storm is hot, we can sing unto the Lord. 
When the trials hit, we can praise the Lord. When the, the, the testing comes, we can be joyful in Jesus. We can. And realizing that there is a reason behind it all. Oftentimes, for the non-believer, the reason behind all the difficulties is so that we would come to Christ. The Lord, we, we all have uh, the same story. We came, for, for the believer, we have the same story. We all came to faith in Christ through Jesus Christ himself. But there were different circumstances that surrounded that, that same story. And so many of us in here would testify, we came to Jesus Christ because of a storm. Many people here would be able to testify that they became Christians because of some great tragedy that happened in their life. Maybe you're here today and you're confused, you're wondering, you're searching, you're looking. Can I submit to you that everything that has happened in your life, the Lord has used it to point you to this one person. And that is Jesus Christ himself. To this one hope that is Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible tells us that in the book of Romans chapter 10, Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look, salvation isn't complicated. It isn't a process. You repent of your sins and you look to Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is a promise in God's word, all many promises in God's word that we can hold to and cling to. That whosoever believeth on him shall have everlasting life. Do you have everlasting lasting life. There was a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. He was a well-known lawyer and real estate developer in the 1800s. He was doing very well and a chain of events happened unto him. His five-year-old son got sick with a fever and died. A year later, the great Fires in Chicago in the 1800s broke out and all of the properties that he had owned all burned down to the ground. Here was a well-known man with his family, lost his son, and then lost everything that he had ever owned. So he decided that he was going to take a trip with his family from America to England to help uh, with a crusade that was happening in England. So he bought the tip, the, the, the tickets to go on the ship with his family, but Some last minute business came up. He had to stay, but he sent his family on the ship to America and this man stayed back. Then he got a message from his wife saying destruction had happened. I alone had survived. This man lost his son. He lost all that he had and he was trying to do a good thing by by sending his family on a holiday to England and the ship got into an accident and really the rest of his family all from his wife and a single from his wife survived and Horatio was in such a state of misery in such a state of despair that he got into a boat and he began to to to, to sail um, to meet his wife in England As this man was on the boat to meet his wife on the other side, the captain said, "Look, if you look to your left, you will see the wreckage from the ship that just crashed. 
That was the ship that his children were all killed on. And as Horatio looked at that ship and as he meditated upon the Lord, he wrote these words. He said this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well. It is well with my, with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever it is, that the Lord allows, whatever it is that the Lord permits by his gracious hand, we must all come to the realization that it is well. It is well. Knowing that it is for a purpose. Even as Job came out, he said, Oh, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes see it. There was such a change in Job's life. And dearly beloved, if we put our faith and trust in the Lord, even during the storms, we will come out different. Come out closer unto the Lord. Here's the last thing I'll say and I'll be done. The refiner doesn't put the gold in the fire to destroy the gold. How many of you understand what I'm saying here? He doesn't put the gold in the fire to destroy the gold. But the refiner puts the gold in the fire so that all of the impurities would come out of gold. So that the gold would be much more precious. That the gold would be more valuable. God doesn't allow us to go into the fire to destroy us. But the Bible says that our faith being much more precious of gold when it is tried. Cometh out into praise and honor. Therefore, God allows our faith. He allows us to go into the times of the fire and trials so that we would come out with a stronger faith. For without God, it is, for, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if it is impossible to please God without faith and we don't have faith, sometimes God has to take our faith and put it in the fire. And then he takes it out at the right timing. And when it cometh out, it cometh out unto praise and honor at the appearing of Jesus Christ. May God help us to know and understand that Job came out this way. Now, mine eyes see it. May God help us to trust him in the fire. May God help us to trust him in the storm, knowing that it is truly for purpose. This is the reason for the test. So that our eyes will truly see Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are very grateful for your precious word that ministers unto us. Father, we're thankful for how your spirit has spoken unto us that as Job came out of the fire, as he came out of the test, he came out stronger. He came out closer to to the Savior. And I pray that this would be the case for us. That 
our faith would be tried so that it would come out unto praise and honor unto Jesus. I pray that you would give us the grace to endure the things that you have permitted in our lives. And I pray that we would trust you in the midst of all of these things. Lord, please forgive us for when we have doubted and questioned and accused you. And I pray that this would not be the case. But in childlike faith, we will trust in the providence that you allow before us. Lord, we give you great, we give you great glory and honor for every trial, for every difficulty, for every storm that you permit. And I pray that you'd use all of these things to make us stronger as individuals and as a church. We give you thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.